Hey, what's up, everybody? And uh, <laughs> I'm already stumbling over my words. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Zeros and Villains podcast. Coming at you again for uh, another episode. And today is going to be a, a really exciting episode. We're talking a lot about WrestleMania. Uh, obviously, we're just uh, about one week or so away. And uh, we're, we're pretty excited. Actually, it's less than a week. It's, uh, what, five days? So, yeah, very excited. Um, although maybe we'll get into this a little bit more, but, uh, maybe less excited than previous years. I don't know about you. Uh, but I, am feeling personally like the hype isn't quite as, uh, isn't quite as high. However, I do think there's a lot of, uh, great matches that we're going to see, not just from a, uh, you know, a good match perspective, but like a lot of, uh, a lot of meaningful matches this year. I don't know if, if you, uh, have felt the same, but I feel like there's a lot of, matches with more tied into it than just uh the surface level storyline well normally you hit the the royal rumble and then literally it's no pun intended it's a fast lane to wrestlemania and it just seems like this build to wrestlemania this year is just drudged on slowly and slowly it's like it's a snowball effect and the snowball still a size of a t for me but i'm ready now i'm ready because it's wrestlemania which I mean is basically a—it's a spiritual experience at this point already for most fans. Uh, WrestleMania is a beast onto itself. So whether the hype is high or not, I mean it's—you know—it's the biggest show of the year. Uh, so it's almost like we're we're hyped whether we want to be or not. Right. Um. To to your point about the Royal Rumble, uh, this year I'm honestly feeling like we could have just called it like the the Rumble. We should have had the Rumble just left it there and fast forwarded to like right now. And my hype level would have been higher. They've actually killed the build for a couple matches in my head. Uh, most notably, I think the, uh, the women's main event, uh, Charlotte Becky and Ronda Rousey, if they had announced the day after the Royal rumble that Becky, uh, and Charlotte, because Becky technically, cause they had an easy storyline, right? They had an easy path to say, Becky wasn't an official entrant in the Rumble. She took someone else's spot. Charlotte just has to come on and say, you know, I basically had it won. We really didn't need Becky. Becky comes out and it legitimately takes a spot. Just make it a three-way, you know, have management make it a three-way and that's it. I think the women's storyline for that main event has gotten so convoluted. I'm actually less interested in the match now. Well, the the correct word is diluted. <laughs> diluted. What did I say? Uh, well, no, your word is correct, too. I just wanted to be a butthole for a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, it's become diluted because it re- all you need is Becky, you know. Um, but then again, I mean, I can see why they're giving Charlotte the nod because, I mean, there's nobody that's been more focal in the whole women's revolution than her. She's been the most consistent with, you know, her match quality and you know her lineage, too, is just a boot. But it really just needed to be Becky. You know, but now that we got all three, I see what you're saying. They should just pull the trigger out right off the bat, rip the bandaid off. But they slowly ripped the bandaid off and we all knew which direction it was going. And that's what sucked about it. Right. And you know what? I think we actually talked about this on an earlier uh, episode of the podcast where at first I was not interested in the triple threat. Uh, and I, th- I think you were more so interested in a one on one Ronda Becky match. I'm actually my my perspective on that has changed because I mean I just have come to the re realization that Charlotte's just an amazing amazing uh, heel. She's a great you know actor. She's a great uh, worker. Also amazing. So I mean I'm 
you know, the match is all the better for having her in it. But I think the, oh my goodness, just the back and forth. Uh, Ronda at one point, like, vacated the title, maybe, question mark, came back the next week and demanded that Becky be added to the match, which is just more competition for her. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, Man, and then with Mr. McMahon, obviously, replacing Becky, there was a whole injury angle with Becky's leg. Um, It just got too confusing, and, and there was... They they added on too much. It was like, here's a ice Sunday, but we're gonna add cheesecake, you know, and uh, a hot pretzel on top of it. And I was, it's just too much. It's all good things, but it's too much. Uh, and and I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed about that. And now I'm just like, I'm almost putting the storyline out of my head. I just want to see the match and see the result. Well, you see, the problem is, is you know, back in back in my day, get off kids, get off my lawn. But back in my day, the heyday of like my youth fandom, you would see someone on TV maybe once, twice between the Rumble and WrestleMania, or once and twice during the WrestleMania buildup, and that would be it. So now you got a situation where everybody, where it's all about TV, it's all about ratings, it's all about you know selling, uh, selling commercials. So. They have to have their best on every Monday night. They have to have their best on every Tuesday night. So, you know, this this would have benefited from the less is more booking. Where maybe every two or three weeks you saw them. Not every single week. Because with someone like Ronda Rousey, who is an interesting performer, the more you see her, the more you hate her, and then not in a good way. If that makes any sense. Because she can work. She's interesting to watch work. But if you give her a microphone, you want to stab yourself in the ears with a soldering iron. Like, and they give her a microphone every week in, in, right, right at the top of the hour. And she bores you to death. Um, and, you know, she has some interesting things to say sometimes that you can tell that are very much so fed to her by someone like Paul Heyman. But other than that, like... It, it drudges up the whole, like, oh, man, like, she's getting X-Pac heat now, which I don't know if you're familiar with X-Pac heat, but they call that go-away heat. It's not the type of heat where someone's going to pay to see you get your ass kicked or butt kicked, pardon me. <laughs> but it's the, type, it's the type of heat where the your music hits and the crowd's just like, oh, you again? Go away. Right. It's you the know? kind of heat that Roman Reigns was getting for a long time. Yeah. Ronda Rousey needs to show up like she did in the beginning, not say a lot, and just beat people up. That's the Ronda Rousey that I would pay to see. You know, so I, I have a feeling that they might have added Charlotte to the match because of that, because they needed a heel in this match that could talk. So if you've noticed, they've diverted. It was re- very much so like Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch going back and forth. It's turned into a little bit more of uh, Charlotte and Becky Lynch going back and forth because they can both talk. They can both tell a story. You know, they were both trained classically in the wrestling world. You know, they can very much so tell that story. And I think that's what they're hinging on. I think that's the good part of them adding Charlotte, but you're right. They should have done it right the bat. So let's talk about this real quick because uh, while we're on the subject of this women's match, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about this segment from uh, the Go Home Show of Monday Night Raw. Personally, I thought that this Go Home Show was not—it uh, wasn't great. It didn't. It built hype a little bit here and there, and we're, we're about to talk about one of those aspects. Uh, but for me, overall, 
it was it was on the weaker side of a of a go home show, uh, and it was uh, I, I guess it was just average for me. Uh, it felt like a decent Monday Night Raw, certainly not a go home for the biggest pay per view of the year. The one thing that it did do though was get me reinvested in this women's match. Uh, I was not. Not too hype uh, for it. However, the segment that they did, uh, I guess the stipulation was that uh, Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte would team together, taking on the Riot Squad, uh, who poor, poor Riot Squad, honestly. They've just been jobbing out to these three for a month or two now, and it's, uh, I, I like them too, and I wish that there was, I guess they, I wish they weren't the ones to be fed, uh, but I guess it's got to be somebody. Uh, but the stipulation here is that the, the three women in this match have to work together if they turn on one another during the match that person loses their spot basically they play it real tense the whole time and as soon as the match is over and like i said every as soon as the bell rang the next five to ten minutes of tv were great in my opinion uh basically ronda gets in after becky's been in the whole match jumps in immediately taps out Liv morgan i think and then jumps up and throat punches charlotte in in the face it was amazing. And then they just go to town on uh, each other. Uh, they got the security crew out there. They wreck the whole goons and everybody. Uh, they get the cops out there. You know, the, I, I don't think they're real police officers, uh, but they come out and they get wrecked also, which of course is a huge, uh, huge no. So they all get arrested, thrown into handcuffs, and uh, it goes backstage from there. Did you see this segment? Yes, I did. And it was interesting to say the least, but it goes right back to. And when it's all physical, when it's physicality, it's gold, right? There, when it's talking, not so much. Like it had you, it, it it made it made you feel like it was real for a moment. It took you out of like that's and that's why I look forward to the match itself. Everything else, not so much. Yeah, I, I second that a hundred percent. There were a couple uh, segments backstage, or not segments, but a couple of spots backstage. That had me, I mean, almost on the edge of my seat, honestly. This is like, I know I sound like a mark here, and I am a little bit, and we both know this. But uh, there was a spot where uh, they they had two police cars for three people, mind you, who are all trying to kill each other. So that was smart. They put Becky in the same car as Rhonda. Uh, I don't know whether it was a legitimate accident, because honestly, they, they looked a little shocked for a minute. But they put Becky in this car. Maybe they're just good actresses, which we know they are. And they start kicking each other. They're handcuffed. They're both in the back of this car, and they're trying to kick each other in the face. Ronda blows out the window. She kicks through a window. Nice sound effect there. And then uh, she gets Becky gets out of the car. She's kicking uh, Charlotte. And then the best spot of this whole thing, in my opinion, Ronda sticks her head out of the car, screaming at them. And Charlotte comes up and just knees her in the head. It looked like she knocked her out cold. I mean, I know, I hope she didn't. But, man, Ronda sold that like a champ. Uh, and, and that whole segment to me, all of a sudden I was re-elevated. Just like you said, it wasn't about the talking or the promos for this match. It was much more about the physicality uh, and them convincing the audience that they, they're, they really don't like each other. Right. And like I said, it was very believable. Uh, that knee, by the way, like looked very, very much so. But I'm sure they wanted to be snug. I mean, the last chance to get people invested. So uh, the... The knee in itself that was thrown should lead to uh, how physical this match is going to be at WrestleMania. I don't think it's going to be a prodding match. I think they're going to go 15, 20 minutes, probably max. But I think it's going to be overly physical, and I'm pretty jacked for it. I think it'll be 
probably the most physical women's scene since the Bailey Sasha Banks matches from NXT. Oh yeah, like the uh, Iron Woman match. Yes, I think it's going to be, you know, on that par, but on a bigger stage. The fact that you're you're saying that makes me uh, makes me pretty excited. I trust your opinion on these things, uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to see this match now. I, which, uh, like like you said, these promos uh, had not. Uh, well, not just the promos, but really the storyline uh, all over the place, like a slippery wet noodle, just had <laughs> just but, didn't hold any uh, weight for me. Yeah, but so. we can't, you know, we can't try to kill each other on Monday night and then you know work an arm for twenty minutes on Sunday. You know, it, it's going to happen fast paced. If they go that, if they go to the direction of a technical masterpiece, you know, I'll probably shoot my television because it doesn't need the point. Doesn't need to be that. Totally agree. Um, so yeah, moving on. I mean, we definitely got a little sidetracked there talking about this uh, women's match. But overall, what is your feeling on this card? I, I know I introed it a little bit with saying that maybe there's less hype surrounding this uh, WrestleMania than previous. Are you feeling the same level of excitement as normal? Are you feeling uh, a little less excited? What's your overall feel for the entire card? Okay, well, you know, a football fan, your team's not always in the Super Bowl, but you watch the Super Bowl and make a big deal about it. That's where I'm at with Mania this year. It, it's it's hard for an old school fan to uh, really look forward to a WrestleMania card that doesn't have the Undertaker on it, even, even though the Undertaker himself is you know not the same guy. You know that, that that's one of those big cornerstones of WrestleMania. Uh, as far as match quality, though, I think this is probably going to be a sleeper WrestleMania. That the match quality is a lot higher than what we're accustomed to. Um, I think we're going to see some people officially crowned as the guy. I'm talking about Seth Rollins. And I think we're going to see some breakouts as far as like Drew McIntyre. I think he's going to be cemented as, you know, a main event guy coming out of WrestleMania, which is going to be good for the business. Um, (laughs) The match card itself, I mean, there's some tag matches that just got thrown in there that'll be interesting to watch. They'll probably be good, but nobody's really invested in them because they're thrown together. Um, And really, this whole thing is built around the women's main event. We've talked about that enough. But man, this Triple H and Batista match could have had something going for it if Batista just wasn't so damn lazy. Like, really. You show up, you're here, cut a promo, it's more than three words, buddy. You know, uh, and you know, it's one of those things, I, I got what he was trying to do. He's trying to be the cool guy that can cuss in the nine o'clock hour on Raw and get away with it because he's a movie star, whatever. I get that. But at some point, you got to sell tickets. I know it's already sold out hypothetically, but at some point, you got to bring eyeballs to the product. There seems to be no reason other than, and this makes no sense, Triple H never beat Batista, so why does Batista want this match? I would just end it with, hey, you've never beat me. Ha ha, I'm retired. <laughs> you know? Right. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's, it seems very forced. I know they did the, the angle with Ric Flair, which was hot, but in all reality, if I was booking it, what I would have done was I would have had Batista begging Triple H, a heel Triple H for the match. All the way up until last week, and Triple H saying, "No, I'm the COO of this company. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything." Blah blah blah, and then have him beat Ric Flair up, and have him double have him double switch two weeks before WrestleMania. That'll get some people talking about it. 
Huh. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a that's a solid booking idea. Yeah, that's what I would have done. If you're going to book him for this stuff, make it make it count, make it make sense. He could just be saying, look, I, I, you're the one person I've never beat at WrestleMania. I want to beat you, blah, blah, blah. And then finally it comes down to a week ago, two weeks ago, sometime close to Mania, within a month. Then he jumps Ric Flair and says, I did what I had to do. And, of course, then you can do the double switch. Triple H can be the baby face, sell some T-shirts. Batista can come in as the Hollywood Hill. Then you can have a couple promos as opposed to Batista's a hill for no reason. Why is he mad? He's rich. He's a huge <laughs> Why is he mad? Why, why does he have to be a hill? He's Drax. You know, it doesn't make any sense. If he was forced to do something hillish, then I'd be invested in it. But there's no reason for him to be a hill whatsoever. Maybe if, maybe if the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies weren't the biggest like box office hits of their time, then I can understand like him being have it being disgruntled, but there's no reason for him to be disgruntled. Right. So basically, I'm I'm thrown here because listening to all the dirt sheets, listening to Meltzer, you know, six months ago, they're talking about Batista wanting to come back. Batista's always talking about how he, you know, he'd be very interested in coming back, doing X, Y, and Z with the company, maybe even having another, you know, a run for however many months. That's what I had heard. And then this stuff gets announced. Batista comes back. So first of all, Batista returns, beats down Ric Flair. Like you said, it's a hot angle. I loved that segment. I thought it was very good. And I'm like, okay, fine. Batista will be the heel. Now, rationally, what you're saying is correct. You know, why Why is he the heel? He's coming off the backs of very successful movies, uh, basically being a movie star, uh, being rich. Like, it doesn't make sense that he would want this match with Triple H if if the roles were reversed and he had never beat Triple H and he didn't want to retire before that happened, then fine. But the whole storyline is that Triple H has never beat him. But Triple H isn't the one begging for the match, like you said. And then, man, my hype for this match has decreased steadily since he beat down Ric Flair. That was great. They should have ended with that or, or had it happen closer to Mania, just like you said. Uh, because instead, we've got you know Triple H who... So Triple H is a great promo, and, and I love him. And to be honest, I will always mark out for Triple H whenever they hit uh, his his music. I'm that's just for for other people. It's the Undertaker. For me, it's uh, it's Triple H. And because I don't have the same amount of uh, of history behind it, but Triple H to me holds very high standing. That's all I'm saying. But Triple H comes out and he cuts like he cuts a good promo. But like first of all, I don't know if I totally bought into the whole uh, shoot angle kind of. You know, calling him Dave and, and calling him he didn't. I don't think uh, Batista ever called him Paul. But like, and then there was another uh, promo where Triple H is trying to take out the letter that Batista's lawyer sent to him. He's like, "Oh, I'm jobbing out to this envelope." And like, it was very, it felt very casual. And face Triple H is trying to be kind of humorous. He's like, "Yeah, you guys are smarks anyway, so I'll just use the lingo, right?" Uh, I, I don't know how I felt about that, especially after, you know, beating down Ric Flair with such a personal angle. Uh, and then Triple H to really almost treat it with comedy. And then even when uh, Batista requested that he put his career on the line, someone with the history and the, uh, you know, the basically the career that Triple H has had, it didn't seem like he was totally invested. For him to put his career on the line, um, I would think it would be more an emotional decision and that didn't come across at all. And then all capped off with, just like you said, Batista comes back to raw says a three or four word promo and didn't, didn't do it for me. Uh, 
yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I mean, I agree with your points. Uh, but this is another match where I think that the uh, the hype has, has died a little bit. And that match was all depending on the hype. I mean, we, we know that when the bell rings, it's going to be a crap show. So, <laughs> like, it, it, it totally depended on the hype. Like, this match is going to resemble one of my old matches bell rings like it's going to be like ground and pound and like it's going to be the most memphis match on the card like and they needed all the heat they could have coming in they have no heat they all i'm saying is that triple h better have an awesome entrance this year <laughs> and it better take up like five to six minutes yeah yeah <laughs> like, it um be like, it better be like a whole motorhead album yeah yeah, yeah. lenny comes back yeah um all right, so let me address a couple other things that you said, because you said a couple other things uh, before we started talking about Batista and Trips here that really started uh, ringing a couple things in my head. Um, I totally, totally agree, and I'm not just... I feel like sometimes we're a little too agreeable on this podcast, so I'm going to start uh, arguing with you more, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> but I totally agree with the sleeper card, uh, I think is what you called it. I Oh, man. There are matches on here. For every match that I've said has lost my interest in the buildup. There have been just as many matches that my interest is peaked for that I was not interested in two to three months ago. So stuff that ended or, or began at the Rumble, I feel like it's, it's just been too long. Stuff that started at the Rumble, like uh, Seth and Brock. Seth and Brock, I'm, I'm middle of the road for. I'm most excited for it because my prediction is Seth, and I think he's going to go over, and I think that's the right decision right now. That's basically the entire reason I'm interested in this match. Plus, I think, I mean, they'll put on a good one. But uh, in terms of the buildup, uh, it's basically just been Paul Heyman that's kept me invested, essentially, because he's, he's an amazing promo. Uh, but for instance, uh, AJ Styles and Randy Orton have been, I mean, I know, I think I talked to you about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, but the last few promos they've had back and forth, including this past uh, Tuesday, just a couple days ago, uh, the they were on the KO show with Kevin Owens. That's like his new gimmick now, I guess. Now that he's back, and man, some of the barbs that they're trading back and forth. Uh, they're really making it a WWE versus indie guys sort of uh, build. I'm so much more interested in this match, and I think that Randy Orton. I've never been a huge fan, but I think that he does very well when he cares. When he's really putting some interest, he's kind of like Brock Lesnar. Brock can go out there and have not a dud, but just kind of a I throw you around match. That's him and Dean Ambrose uh, in their Street Fight or Weapons match from a few years ago at WrestleMania. That was not that great because from what I'm told backstage is Brock and Dean didn't really get along. But I think Randy's in the same sort of sense where when he cares about his opponent and they're really going to you know care about the storyline that they're in, they can do something great. And I think AJ and Randy is actually going to be a show stealer. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, kind of like uh, the Seth Rollins and uh, Randy Orton match from the WrestleMania that Seth Rollins actually cashed in on. That yes, match, exactly. That, that the sleeper match and stole the show. Uh, Randy Orton's actually a dang good worker, man. Like, um, he's he's real comfortable, you know, right now. But, I mean, I've seen some Randy Orton matches, and not none of his matches with Cena, no, but I've seen some Randy Orton matches that were really good. If he's with the right guy and he's motivated, like, he can have a heck of a match. And AJ Styles, I think, is that right guy for him right now. Because AJ's, you know, you can watch AJ's work and be like, man, he does a lot of stuff. But from the guy that is working with AJ, it's looks like it's a walk in the park. 
because he does all the risk. You know, you might take a bump, but he does all the risk. He makes you look great. And I'll be expecting, like, RKO's out of nowhere and all that stuff. Like, it's going to be a really good match. I agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's going to be a uh, a sleeper hit, honestly. Uh, another one that's kind of gotten me more intrigued, uh, and, and I think we should uh, do our due diligence here and actually talk about the belt. Uh, what is your feelings on the Daniel Bryan Kofi Kingston buildup? Before I say anything else, what do you think about uh, about the match, and what do you think about the buildup uh, that's happened so far? Uh, the buildup, in all honesty, has probably been the best buildup of Wrestle of this WrestleMania season for anything. Um, I don't know if it's because it felt more organic than the other angles. Uh, probably so. Uh, but you also look at a guy like Kofi, and you're like, you don't realize that he's been there for 14 years or however long he's been there. You know, 11 years, 14 years, a long time. And you kind of realize, like, well, Kofi's one of those guys I've always enjoyed watching, but I've never thought about him with the belt. Then, man, he's worked really hard there. He deserves it. And then you start buying into it yourself. So it becomes organic at home. You know, you start thinking, like, well, he really does deserve this. So it makes you behind somebody that maybe necessarily, you know, you weren't a huge mark for, but, man, you know, I'm behind him now. And I'm personally behind him. You're talking about a guy who loves, like, old-school wrestling. I'm behind Kofi Kingston. I really hope he does win it. I think it would be good for the company. I don't think it'd be a lo- he should be a long-term champion. I think maybe a couple months, maybe make it to SummerSlam. I don't know. Uh, but I think it would be good. It'd be good PR-wise as well. Nobody's touching on that <laughs> for WWE. Go ahead, and pull, go ahead and pull that trigger and be done with it. But saying it. No, I mean... It's it's a hundred percent fair. I mean, they've got a uh, well. Speaking of PR, I mean, we won't delve into it too hard. I don't know if you got a chance to see the uh, John Oliver segment that he put out on WWE, um, but uh, it was basically just talking about the independent contractor status that WWE has with uh, their wrestlers, talking about the uh, lack of health care, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but dur- during that clip, they were talking about Vince McMahon and talking about, in their opinion, what a horrible person they think he is and they played the clip from years ago i mean probably what 15 years ago or so that he used the n-word when he was talking to uh, booker t and yeah. they played that and they made it look like that was i mean sure yes it happened and no it was not a good uh good thing or a good look for the company but that era has definitely passed uh but they made vince out to be uh, to look awful. So if they're going to put the championship on Kofi, they better do it now. Because if they do all this build-up, bring it to WrestleMania, and Brian retains, uh, politically, it's not going to look great on them right now. Right. And to touch on that John Oliver crap, just for a moment, because I've read it. I've read the transcripts of it. I haven't watched it. Okay. So I, I think he's annoying. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> but, uh Okay, so the only entertainers in the world that have health insurance paid for them are movie stars. You get a card, once you're a movie star, you got insurance. Other than that, no entertainers have insurance that's paid for for them. Rock stars don't have it. Rap artists don't have it. Circus performers don't have it. Nobody in entertainment has it. So to point out wrestling as the ones that need to have it, and, and and to, like, hedge your bets on that is, is false. It's wrong. You know, the circus performers need it just as much as wrestlers do, but they don't get it. But nobody's putting out specials about them because WWE is an easy, easy target. Wrestling is an easy target. 
you know, and that goes back to like the Bob Costas interview in the early 2000s with Vince McMahon. And it was all over the same stuff. Right. You know, they hedge on that, but these guys are well paid, you know, and if you manage your money and handle your own health insurance, like you'll be fine. If you go out and don't handle your money, that's when you end up with the sad stories. Like Kamala's a sad story. It really is. I don't even know if you know who Kamala is, but Kamala's a sad story. He's a wrestler in the eighties and nineties, had a run with Hogan, had a run with Taker, had a run with everybody was on top as he was a villain, made decent money, but he didn't take care of his money. He didn't take care of his health while he was on the road. And, and now he's got this crusade against because now he's had both of his legs amputated because of diabetes. Well, Vince didn't serve you flipping donuts at three o'clock in the morning. That's not your, that's not Vince's fault. Right. If you go to work tomorrow and say, I got diabetes and it's your fault to your boss, your boss is probably going to fire you. Right. You know, they, they don't look at this in a realistic point of view. You know, that you're, when you're talking about guys like Seth Rollins, right, who's making about $3 million a year, yes, he's three, he's making $3 million a year, and yes, he's working 270 days. It's a life he chose. And if he works 10 years, he's going to make $30 million. Now, surely, to goodness, that's enough to take care of yourself financially for the rest of your life, right? I would think so. But if you don't, if you make bad investments and you end up with no money, then you can go on TV and bash Vince. And that's all these people. <laughs> that's all the people that are on board with this or the people that messed up financially themselves. Hmm. That's an interesting take. Uh, I agree to an extent. Um, however, I think they also made some good points regarding the schedule. Um, this is absolutely a physical business and uh, there's a lot asked of these guys, um, you know, to be out there, however many days i mean these guys are probably working a heavier schedule than a lot of guys on the indies guys on the indies can go out and work two to three times a week uh and and you know do all right for themselves say they're working you know top of the week they're working in japan and then you know five six days later they're working in the uk obviously it's a heavy travel schedule uh but they're not even working as much sometimes as some of these wwe guys who are doing house shows pay-per-views tvs uh, it's it's a huge heavy schedule um so they, they did do some advocating on that uh, segment as well for possible off season rotating possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to just agree with you. <laughs> yeah, there are some points of it that I agree with, but there are points that I've always agreed with. Sure. Uh, it's, you know, I do, but I don't believe in an off season because they're a TV show. I believe that they should rotate talent. You know, talent should get a two or three month you know, break every year and it should be at different times. Like, okay, we don't have nothing for you right now. Go home. You know, up along those lines. And I also believe that they probably should pay for health care. But <laughs> there's different ways to go about it. And I think that eventually we'll see that. You know, you'll see guys getting more time off. And you'll, you know, especially with the size of the roster they got, surely to goodness they can send some people home every now and again. And you'll start to see guys end up with that unified, like, health care. So, you know, th- th- that'll eventually happen. I, I do see that. But the whole thing that always gets me is that Vince made a lot of people a lot of money, you know, and we're talking about the wrestling business up until the early 90s. And even some places after that was just a wild west. Yeah, go kill yourself. And, you know, if you die, you die. We don't care. You know, go work 300, 400, 300 days in a row. We don't care how you feel. We don't care about you seeing your family. 
I mean, they got a lot better now than they ever had it. You know, see that they'll continue to do so. I just, I just, you know, I don't know if I'm so such an old school like guy that I just hate seeing the business getting ripped on by someone who would crap their pants if he had to take a bump. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because they brought up CM Punk uh, doing just that in a ring. <laughs> That's funny you should say uh, because they, they made a pretty heavy point about that. The one thing gripe I have with this uh, this whole report, because again, there are points I agree with and points that I think were a little editorialized uh, to this whole segment. But the biggest issue that I had is that none of these clips are, you know, fresher than probably 10 years old. I mean, WWE has definitely taken a lot of improvement, uh, and they've done a lot to try to include. And again, there are things that they could always do better. I think the independent contractor thing is a little weird when they're exclusive uh, to the company, and they can't can't work anywhere else, really, unless they want to get out of that contract. Um, but there have been tons of improvements to physical health, to you know concussion tests, especially post-CM Punk. Um, you know, there's been a lot that I think that they are moving in the right direction, whether they're where they need to be or not. Uh, and they're using clips of Bret Hart from 1997 saying Vince treats his guys like circus animals. That's 20 years ago. And that's, you know, the world and the business has changed. So that that part I did not like about the segment is that uh, they're using such dated information. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it was just that it was they were playing headhunter. You know, about once every four or five years, as your fandom like grows, you'll realize it's about once every four or five years somebody has to make out of going after Vince. And what they don't realize is afraid of them. You know, you can ask Bob Costa like Vince went on Bob Costa's show and buried him. <laughs> you know, not afraid. He's a flipping billionaire. You know, he's not. He's a billionaire and he's a tough guy. You know, and he's very intelligent. So he's not a he's not afraid of these people at all, and all it's going to do, and in all honesty, it probably makes it worse on the wrestlers. So if these people really care about the business, they should probably just shut up. Because you know I've heard interviews with Roman Reigns where he's talked about there being an off season, and that's Vince's boy. So if Roman Reigns has already been talking about it, that means somebody more important than Roman Reigns has discussed it. Um. Well, we kind of got off topic there for just a second. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk real quick to the uh, the Kofi Kingston thing. Uh, which is where this whole conversation started. Um, oh man, this is, I totally agree. Uh, in my, so I'm just going to throw this out there and, and you stop me if you think I'm, uh, if I'm being a little too uh, over the top here, but in my five years approximately of, uh, of wrestling fandom and, and WWE specifically, this has been the personally the greatest build to any single WrestleMania match uh, that I've ever seen the treatment, the booking, the basically everything that goes into the Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. Now, first of all, I have to, you know, uh, caveat here with the fact that Daniel Bryan has been over the last, basically since his heel turn, he's probably been my favorite promo in WWE. I'm, I'm not saying he's my favorite. Uh, generally, I think Paul Heyman, I think, uh, I know you don't love him, but I think Samoa Joe uh, ranks very highly. But Daniel Bryan, in my opinion, has been on an absolute tear since his heel turn. Since then, I think he's been the best consistent promo, promo in WWE at all. I think SmackDown has been a lot more streamlined than Monday Night Raw. Uh, there was a lot of opportunity for them to do weird whatever with this, kind of similar to the women's match. 
and they haven't. They've absolutely played it to perfection, I think. Uh, and the, the go-home show just was the cherry on top, I think, uh, with the contract signing between Kofi and Brian. And this is the most I've uh, most excited I've been for any WrestleMania match, basically since I've started watching the product. And if you think that's hyperbole, you tell me. Well, I can see why you say that. Um, which uh, you weren't you weren't around yet for the original Yes Movement, were you? I was not. That was basically the year before I started watching, approximately. Okay. So, yeah, that was very. It was recent in my mind. So I've gone back and seen clips, but I didn't experience it organically. Okay. So this this whole angle has been, hey, we're going to use the Yes Movement on a black guy. <laughs> so, this has been the exact they've they've and what's hilarious about it is that they had the perfect foil in Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan can lead that in the direction because a hill always leads. So all it, it's it's a it's a rehash and it's a rewash, but they couldn't have picked a better person to do it. So if if you have only been watching for the last five years, then I would say yes, this is the best build up to a match, the most organic feeling match you've ever seen. That's the word. That's it right there. It's the organic feeling because it doesn't feel like Kofi has been forced on anyone. It's felt like Kofi, because Kofi got in this whole thing basically just to replace Mustafa Ali uh, when he was injured in some sort of six-way match, I think, a couple months ago. And that's basically when that happened, just like what you described earlier, people said, oh, wait, this guy has been a consistent hard worker for 11 years, people have been wanting him to have some sort of singles push, but he's never really gotten it. And now this could be it. So it, it, that's exactly the word I was looking for. It was organic. Yeah, and it forces you to realize just how much he does this. <laughs> you know, he, you know, you may not have, you may have looked at the whole roster and not picked him out as the guy that deserved it. But now you're like, well, gee golly, he does deserve it. You know, that's my guy. Uh, but yeah, it's. It is a it is a wash and repeat of the yes movement almost to the T, you know. So that's my homework for you between now and WrestleMania is to go back and watch all the high spots of the yes movement, and you'll be like, okay, this is pretty dang close. This is almost like, hey, can I copy your homework? Yeah, but just change a few things. <laughs> right, it's like that meme. Well, yeah. that that basically uh, really began to resonate with me. Well, not began to, because I've definitely noticed some of the, based on what I've seen, clips and stuff of the original Yes Movement, I've definitely been able to tell some of the similarities. But, I mean, that was basically brought right to the forefront on Tuesday uh, during the contract signing segment, where they basically acknowledged that this is very similar. You know, Brian said, I've been where you are. You know, don't mistake a fad for reality. You know, these people will basically up and leave you. They're parasites. Uh, and, and Kofi, obviously, whether that's true or not, Kofi has the crowd on his side. Uh, you know, he got up and he gave some sort of fiery baby face promo and, uh, and signed it. And honestly, like he, he wasn't the star here. I think Daniel Bryan was really, uh, his promo was incredible during this segment, but Kofi obviously pulling his weight and doing a great job. I think, uh, you know, carrying the babyface end of this, but it's just organic. I mean, he only had to deliver half his promo because the crowd's chanting his name the whole time. Um, and, and that's the kind of build that it's just so weird because if I can, you know, tangent here for a second from what I'm told from the original yes movement was that it was actually, it was very similarly, very organic behind Daniel Bryan and whether they say it was or wasn't planned from the onset that he would, uh, that he would win the championship at WrestleMania. 
that's what happened. You know, it was an organic movement. So to see it once again be Kofi that has this, you know, organic movement behind him, it's actually very poetic in a sense. Yeah, that's it wouldn't have worked with anybody besides Daniel Bryan. It wouldn't have. Right. Unless Triple H trained and came out of retirement and took it really seriously and put the strap on himself. That's probably the only other person that could verbally carry uh, the heel side of this. Because uh, nobody else could. Daniel Bryan, and I knew it from watching him on the indies, uh, Daniel Bryan's a heck of a heel he has been. You know, uh, during the Yes movement, I, all I was salivating at was like, oh, wait till he strapped and he turns heel. Like, <laughs> I was salivating that fact. You know, of course, then he got injured and it never happened. But, man, like, a heel Daniel Bryan with the belt. And, you know, I want to give some props to old uh, Eric Rowan. Like, you know what's so funny is as you said that, that ran through my head. I was just like, that was actually a great choice to put Rowan with him and make him that cowardly heel. Yeah, because uh, Eric Rowan looks like, uh, you know, a, a, a yuppie. Like, a yuppie, a yuppie you know, a uh, guy that drinks... Uh, high dollar beer and wants to wants to check your pc like he, he looks he looks like a pc guy man it, it, it goes right it goes right with daniel bride and, and the guy always looked like that too and you're like you've never thought about it. then daniel i'm sure daniel picked him and you know saw that in him and it's perfect because he doesn't have to talk because he, he can't talk and you know he could just throw people around and and Wear you know grungy looking clothes. It's perfect. So props to him for finding a niche and keeping on getting paid. He's going to be on Mania, by God. <laughs> That's a good point. No, I uh, yeah, just kind of your overall recap. I just feel like the build up here has been great. Every choice they made uh, from uh, the gauntlet matches got to be a little much, uh, but they did keep it fresh with the uh, the very final one when they had Xavier and Big E actually. Uh, run the gauntlet basically to do it for Kofi. And I think that's also kind of uh, poetic in a sense, because realistically the new day has always been about, you know, they'll, they'll basically, they'll never break up. They'll be, a, you know, they've always got each other's back uh, power of positivity, friendship, etc. And that really plays into their whole gimmick, essentially that they were the ones to be able to secure the spot for Kofi after he'd been, you know, screwed out of multiple uh, opportunities. So I love that. And also that specific uh, gauntlet match they had, it wasn't just them beating every single team. Like they beat two or three teams. Uh, and then, uh, but like, obviously they were just completely worn down by the time they'd beat the bar. Then having the Usos come out and forfeit out of respect, uh, which I thought was a, a huge pop, obviously for the Usos. That was pretty amazing, actually. Great decision, in my opinion. And then just uh, basically having a count out victory to win like it didn't actually bury everybody. Some of uh, Kofi's wins, honestly, when he was beating like Randy Orton, he was beating Samoa Joe. Like that felt a little forced. Um, but yeah, overall, I think that build has been just right, and they've uh, they've played it to perfection, as opposed to you know really having to mess everything up just for the sake of having complications. So here's a here's a question for you. Yeah, what do you, me. What, what do you think the bigger pop's going to be when Kofi wins or? when Becky wins. Huh. Okay. So I think that with Becky, I think it's a matter of time. I think, you know, basically it's literally the match in my opinion is a formality. I think that that is the more predictable match. She's incredibly hot. And unless, uh, 
you know what I mean? Unless Vince pulls some sort of crazy shenanigans and puts it all on Charlotte, which would be literally the most nuclear heat I think I've ever heard in my life. I think that's more of a foregone conclusion. And as much as it would be awful, absolutely awful, if they did all this tease basically for Kofi just to not put it on him, there's still this weird tinge of doubt in my mind that's like, I'm going to be hanging on to every pinfall in that match. And when it really happens and you see it and you realize this is real life, Kofi's the, you know, the WWE champion, I think that'll be the biggest pop. I agree. Well played. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that, you know, if, if Kofi goes, which, you know, I'm, I'm about 70, 30 on it, that Kofi's going over somehow. Uh, I think that will be the biggest pop. Uh, it might depend on how many females are in the crowd and I'm not being sexist. Um, but I, you know, I I do think that Becky going over will be huge, but definitely the Kofi thing will be big time, big time. Right, I agree. Um, so let's uh, let's do a quick overall recap here. Um, WrestleMania on a whole, it's going to be a long show. Um, are you prepared for six to possibly six and a half hours? I think that they're saying it's going to be about six and a half, maybe even seven hours if you include the pre-show. Are you ready for seven hours of wrestling? You gonna stay awake for that? Uh, I'll be drawing social security by the time it's over. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I am. I I actually took the coward's way out and uh, took a, a PTO day for work on Monday. Nice. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> That's I hilarious. Have, I should I, ask my I, wife if she'll let me do that. Yeah, I've realized that I at this point in my life, I have to do that in order to make it through a pay-per-view. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, because they're, they're all long now. There's no three-hour shows. You know, I long for the days of uh, the non-Big Four pay-per-views being two-hour in your houses because those were perfect. They were over at 10 o'clock. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Russell, it's mania, man. You have to stay up through it. <laughs> yeah, know? I totally agree. I mean, there's there's no way you don't. Um, but, but I'll tell you what, man, I've been not spoiled per se, cause it's not like they happen more often, but man, when an, when an NXT takeover rolls around, those are the best nights. There are five to six matches on that card. Each match is given its time. It's over in two and a half hours and it's usually just hot, amazing action. Speaking of which, I think, uh, takeover New York on Saturday is going to be a possible show of the year, honestly, with the card that they've got lined up, Adam Cole and Gargano in two or three falls, uh, the women's match, I think, uh, the tag team. Oh, not, not just that, uh, the NXT, NXT UK championship with, uh, Volta and, uh, or Walter and Pete Dunn. I, I mean, that's just going to steal it. Uh, so I'm hyped for that uh, as an aside, but those, Shows, man, just two and a half hours are amazing. I can't wait to, for for uh, Walter to get to the main roster. <laughs> He'll be an absolute monster. Yeah, I want to see Walter versus Lesnar. <laughs> just two big men beating each other up, huh? Yeah, man. Have you seen Walter's chops? Jeez, I want to see Lesnar pony up and take one of those. The only thing that scares me about uh, about that, though, is when I look at other big men, they've got about a 50-50 track record. Braun Strowman's going to be in the arm bar, the uh, Andre the Giant Battle Memorial Royal. I don't know what the deal is with him, but like sometimes it's hot booking for him. Uh, but then WrestleMania comes around, and this year he's in the Battle Royal. Last year he was 
winning championships with a nine-year-old. So, like, I don't know if they just don't have anything for him or what. Um, I mean, from all the dirt sheets are saying that he's kind of been on hot water. Been nursing some knee injuries and showing up late and leaving early, which you can either believe that or not believe it. Um, he's one of those guys that I don't think they've felt that they had to pull the trigger on him because he stays over whether he wins the belts or not. You know, whether he's in that top echelon, he stays over. He's a guy that's always going to be over, but you got to be careful and not, you know, allow him to get to that like big show realm of, oh, here's another big guy and that's it. Like, to pull the trigger on him at some point. But I don't think they see him as the guy that can go out 300 nights out of the year and, and defend the title in the main event, you know, everywhere. I don't think they see him as that guy. Yeah, he's there to throw people who are shorter than him about 1,000 yards. That's his his role, I think. But but he does need to, he does need to win, there, you know, two or three times while he's still young so he can have that long career and be able to hang his hat on. Well, he's a champion that means he can always you know be in the main event right now you make him lose so many times when he's at the dance to take unbelievable the, i mean the perfect time for him to have gotten that moment was against lesnar and they've already you know they've already crapped that away yeah so, ship sailed yeah him beating seth rollins doesn't mean as much as him beating lesnar so we'll see i, I think he's gonna have a really good career but i just think that they really <laughs> I, I don't know if creative doesn't think much of him, but I mean, you're right. When it comes to WrestleMania time, they got him in some sort of joke match, you know, not saying, not saying any match on WrestleMania is bad for you to, on. you know, you're going to get a good payday, but still uh, he needs to be in something a little more. All right. Let's talk real quick about uh, one of the last big matches that I don't think we've discussed at all tonight. And uh, that is Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar for the universal title. Uh, how do you feel about this match? Uh, and, and what do you think we're in for? Um, I think it'll probably be Brock Lesnar's best match in a couple of years, in the past couple of years. Uh, really? Even better than you think like uh, him and AJ or him and uh, Finn Balor? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I really believe that Seth's going over, but I also know that uh, Paul Heyman's a big fan of Seth Rollins. So with that being the case, you know, if he's Paul's boy, then Brock probably likes him. He'll probably put a little more effort into making him look good. Um, but I also think there's going to be some shenanigans at the end of the match that are going to make the match interesting. Uh, I think Dean Ambrose gets involved somehow. I'm still holding on to that. I still think that is going to happen. You know, they wouldn't be doing this tour with, you know, every single night. Uh, Dean Ambrose takes a bow to the crowd. He's done that on, you know, the, the last couple of dark matches on Raw's. He's been doing that at all the house shows. So we're, we're really trying to tell you that he's leaving. By God, he's leaving. Just remember that he's leaving. We're, we're, we're wasting a lot of time here reminding you that this guy's leaving and no longer be contributing to our company. He's leaving. Yeah, make sure your eyes are on this guy who's probably going to AEW. Yeah, because he's leaving. <laughs> Trust us, he's leaving. You know, the, the the old way of someone leaving was like, okay, you're leaving, you put in a notice. Okay, this last two months that you're here, you're going to be jobbing, and that's it. You're going to be opening the show and putting people over. Eh, to be fair, he's been jobbing quite a bit. Yeah, but he's been jobbing and still doing run-ins and... You know, I'm like, <laughs> still in storylines, you know? I mean, right. 
I mean, I'm an old school. I got that mentality. Like, okay, I'm not going to waste my TV time on you unless they get every last penny I can out of you jobbing and putting over guys that I've just signed the new three-year contracts. You know, you're going to put over these guys, and that's all you're going to be able to do. I'm not going to put you. I'm not going to give you a microphone so you can elevate your stock, so you can go elsewhere for more money. I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to let you bow and end the show. I don't want you to be the last thing that my fans see before they get in their car and go home. I don't want the guy that's leaving in three weeks to be the last thing that's seen. You know, if you, if you look at it that way, it's crystal clear like that. It's a work, you know, I don't want to take that away from you. If you're thinking, gee golly, you know, John Moxley, AEW, so it's not going to happen. Like, yeah, but I mean, on the flip side, I think realistically, they're going to give him, I mean, he was one of their top guys for a long time. He's given the best years of his career to the company, basically. I mean, it could also be interpreted as just a little bit of, you know, really just giving the guy his due, giving him 30 seconds to go out, take a bow, and for people to realize they're not going to see Dean Ambrose again. I mean, I, I understand the the work standpoint, or, or the, uh, yeah, the work, but I, I don't know. I'm still undecided on whether or not this is a shoot or not. I know you're convinced uh, that, you know, he's going to be staying with the company, but I, I don't know. I'm still 50-50, and I think that th- they may just be doing this out of respect, honestly. Plus, his, like I said before, his wife is, you know, still working for the company and doesn't have any plans on leaving. So maybe they're just trying to keep the ties, you know, not so ugly. Yeah, you know, that's the intangible there is her. I'm still saying that, you know, them paying him and keeping him on TV is enough of them doing like right by him right now. Like that's from a business end, that's where the obligation ends. Everything else is just butter. So the more they do do with him, the more I'm like, wait a minute. Hmm. You know, there's someone that's going to be on my TV on Monday WrestleMania that isn't on TV right now because this guy who's not going to be on my TV on Monday night is right. Why is that? You know, and if anyone's ever like booked or ran a show, like if someone comes say I'm giving weeks, then I, I'm not gonna be able to come work here anymore. They know their job at that point is to put everybody over and shake hands on the and be gone. You know, that, you know, and Moxley's been around for forever. So he knows that. So I'm sure he's not saying, hey, can I go and bow in every flipping state that we go to for the last three months? You know, <laughs> can <laughs> can I have one more run with the Shield and sell more merch? Sure, why not, kid? Pad your wallet so you can stay away even longer. No, you know, it's not going to happen. Huh. All right, all right. I see where you're coming from. Um, so... Real quick, getting back to the the Rollins uh, Lesnar match, you think that Rollins is going over? You think that's pretty assured? Yeah, and I, I do believe that he's going over with uh, help from Dean Dean Ambrose. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that they uh, on, on the Go Home show here uh, this past Monday, they actually uh, had Seth actually hit uh, Brock with a couple low blows. Uh, basically, uh, and then after the match, he was, or not the match, but after a segment, he was interviewed backstage, uh, and, uh, the reporter there said, you know, Hey, that's, uh, if you do that, you're going to be disqualified. You're not going to be a champion. Uh, and he said, well, I'm not a champion yet. You know, basically saying anything still goes. Um, and, and I didn't take it obviously as a heel turn, but it's him doing whatever he needs to do to win. So, I mean, some sort of run in or interference, I don't think would be out of character, uh, or, you know, completely a surprise, 
based on the uh, the way that they booked that on Monday. So totally agree. All right, so that's basically us hitting uh, most of the top matches that I think um, I'm thinking about. We've talked about Randy Orton, uh, AJ Styles. The only thing I can think of that I think we didn't really touch on uh, was Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre. Do you think that's a uh, a foregone conclusion? Um. <laughs> I think we're gonna. You know, I think you're gonna get a surprise there. I don't know which way you're going in, but I think Drew McIntyre's going over. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. I think Drew. Uh, how do you beat? How do you do? How do you beat Roman Reigns after coming back from cancer? Though it's easy. One, two, three. Like, <laughs> I mean, he'll Roman Reigns is already Reigns this generation Cena. And this match to Roman Reigns is a throwaway match. But to Drew McIntyre, this match is everything. So I totally agree with that from a personal standpoint. But that doesn't change the fact I think that they're not going to put him over. That's the problem because they're in a no-win situation here. Do you beat the guy who just came back two months ago from beating cancer? Or do you put over the rising star? uh, Well, yeah. I mean, do you put over... Roman over this rising star, essentially, who could be one of your main eventers for the next 10 years. You're in a, almost in a no-win situation. Well, you know, it, it can be perceived that way, but in wrestling, there's all sorts of ways to work around it. So if Roman lays down and gets screwed, if it's a screwy finish, then it doesn't make Roman look bad and they got reasons to come back. If Roman just laid down straight, yeah, okay, I get it. But if 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 there's interference or any sort of screwy finish, it, Drew McIntyre will be able to like hang the hat on the rest of his career that he beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The the benefit of it all, it 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 doesn't hurt Roman Reigns for him to lose here, but it hurts Drew McIntyre for him to lose here. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. And honestly, that's my desire. To be honest, is to uh, is it would be for Drew to win, but I mean. Personally, I'd I'd have Drew going over somebody else who, you know, isn't the the best you know baby face in your company right now, just due to the fact that he you know he's he survived a legitimate medical issue. Um, I, I would have changed that up a little bit, but I think Drew needs it more. Um, but I also don't know if I've loved in the buildup them using uh, Roman Reigns's uh, leukemia situation as a part of the plot. I really wish that he would have just come back and, you know, I, I don't think it adds anything, and I think it cheapens a little bit some of the heat, and not only that, but some of the, I mean, the real-world implications. I mean, they're they're turning it, turning it around to an angle, and obviously there's no way that, you know, they would do that without his consent. I'm sure he said, you know, that's totally fine, anything for the biz. But it's kind of, you know, it's a little cheap, I think, for him to come, for Drew to come out and say, you know, you beat leukemia, but you can't beat me. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. It feels a little dirty. Yeah, and I mean, the, but they're positioning Drew McIntyre as a real heel. You know, we haven't had that real dirty heel that'll say anything and use anything to his advantage a long time. Everybody wants to be the cool heel, you know. So, I mean, it's it's a turning point right here. You're right; they have two guns against each of their heads right now, because one of them's going to look bad. Maybe, maybe they have some creative booking, something we haven't thought of. But I really do see Drew McIntyre going over. I don't see all this build up for Drew McIntyre for him to go in and lose to Roman Reigns in 12 minutes. 
you know, Superman punching a spear and lay down. I don't, I just don't see that. Well, we'll see what happens. We've got uh, five days left, and uh, actually, just talking about it with you honestly has made me a little bit more excited for this uh, for this WrestleMania. So, while we're uh, we're wrapping up here, I think we're coming up on about an hour or so, maybe even a little over. Uh, so we'll start wrapping here. But I want to ask you one last question uh, before we sign off, having you know, kind of previewed uh, WrestleMania and some of these hot matches. Wanted to ask you, you you just used the term creative booking, and you know that I'm a huge. Uh, fan of a little bit of predictions, a little bit of fantasy booking, uh, kind of putting you know my own ideas uh, into a, a fantasy situation here. So what I, I'd like to do real quick is give me one angle, one match uh, from WrestleMania this year that you would like to see a little bit of creative booking come into play. Maybe it could be part prediction, something you think is going to happen, something you would want to happen. Uh, just in one of these matches, what's something off the top of your head? that uh, you would get a little bit creative with if you were booking this? Oh, man. Oh, wow. Hmm. So I, I've got one if you want to think about it. Yeah, you go. All ahead, right. Go. So my one revolves around the women's main event. Um, obviously, I think that uh, that Becky is going over with this. And this is going to be a little bit cheapened because I think they have already announced that that match is now, quote, winner takes all which means uh, whoever wins is going to become a double champion, Um, which personally I was fantasy booking that in my head, you know, two weeks ago, and then they announced it on Raw. Uh, But what I really wanted to see happen, and I think will will happen, is I think Becky is going over. I think she's going to pin Charlotte to win. I think they're going to keep Ronda, you know, clean, essentially, in case she ever wants to make a return, because if you believe... You know, you believe the report, she's going away after Mania. But I think they want to keep her uh, pin-free. So I think Becky pins Charlotte. I think she becomes a double champion. And basically, we just see uh, fiery babyface Becky defending both belts on both shows, really, you know, giving even more meaning to a fighting champion. And honestly, I think she's going to retain for, um, I mean, I don't want to say until for a year, obviously, but as long as she's hot, I think she's going to keep both belts. And she will probably defend each uh, most Raws and most SmackDowns uh, in the foreseeable future, probably until at least SummerSlam. Uh, they're putting their all their eggs in that basket just with the booking up to this match. And I think they're going to keep riding that wave until she's not, uh, you know, she's not white hot anymore. Oh, that sounds good. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so I got one. Go for it. Uh- I just threw this together in my head. <laughs> That's the ones I love, man. That's why I asked. Yeah, I just cobbled this one together. <laughs> the Kurt Angle and uh, Baron Corbin match. See, I went way down the card. Whoa, okay. Yeah, okay. So so we know that Kurt's not the worker he used to be. And we know that whatever he does at WrestleMania is not going to be in the, in the ring. It's not going to be that great, right? And it's his retirement match regardless. So, Baron Corbin, they they cut the first, after the first match of WrestleMania, they cut to the backstage, and there's commotion, and Baron Corbin's laid out, being attended to by medical staff. Nobody knows who did it. Nobody cares, but nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone's just walking past him like the Good Samaritan, like, no thanks, man. 
nobody knows. They can't figure it out. So they're okay. looking for they're looking for a replacement for Baron Corbin for Kurt Angle's final match. Well, cut to the back again. Another segment. John Cena. John Cena accepts the match. Blah blah blah. John Cena versus Kurt Angle. They got a history. Ruthless aggression. Blah blah blah. Tells itself. Crowd might be a little popped for that. <clears throat> Couple of matches later, go to the back. John Cena's laid out. <laughs> People in disarray, like, oh my God, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. So, a couple segments after that, Kurt Angle's music hits. He comes out. He's like, who am I going to face? Lights go out. Undertaker. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Undertaker comes out. They have five or six minute match. They hit all their spots. They get their stuff in. Tombstone pile driver. And Undertaker goes over, huh? Yeah. I guess that's fair. Yeah, you go out on your back. That's, oh, you know. Absolutely. Wrestling when you, you know, retire, you go out on your back. You're I've only soft. got one problem with that. Dude, I did, I, I did my best to get it away from Baron. <laughs> as far as possible, right? <laughs> yeah. I've only got one problem with that, and that's if that adage is true, that you go out on your back. That means if Undertaker's going over, we're going to have to see him next WrestleMania. And this guy is old. Well, <laughs> dead. So, what'd you say? Yeah, age is just a number. Doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't yeah, matter. sure. <laughs> Thirty years from now, we'll have the ghost of Undertaker versus the ghost of John Cena. Right. Yeah. That's. I mean, he has. If you've seen the pictures of him, he has trimmed down. He's lost like forty pounds. Yeah, I've seen that. Gotten in good shape, uh, but you know, his Kurt's match will only be five or six minutes, anyways. So right. it's long enough for them to hit an angle slam, work an ankle ankle lock spot in, choke slam, tombstone, ring the bell, hit the music, blah, blah, blah. Right. You Just know what? Enough. I actually, I can foresee that happening personally. The only, oh, excuse me. <laughs> the only wow. difference, sorry, I'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that happening. Uh, but the only difference I would have is that Baron Corbin comes out for the match one ankle slam, one, two, three. Base, or ankle slam. I said an- ankle. Or ankle lock. Hey, either one, whatever. Ha- put on a slap on one of his moves. 30 second match, taps out. That'd, that'd be even better, honestly. Ankle lock, tap out in, you know, 10 seconds. Because Corbin's been just this, you know, grimy kind of cheap heel. Uh, and he's even basically used the fact that he's Kurt Angle's last opponent for cheap heat on Raw, which makes me think that he's definitely not. Um,. But I think that he should come to the ring. I think he should get beat pretty much immediately. Because, um, I mean, his credibility is not high anyway. Uh, and then have either Undertaker come out or uh, whoever the the surprise opponent's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be down with that. I mean, but I just really don't want to see Baron Corbin. Either. No, I don't need <laughs> I love how we're all united on this. There are some things that are real and some things are fake. And sometimes the two are the same. And I don't think in, in kayfabe or in real life, anyone wants to see Baron Corbin uh, work Kurt Angle for more than a minute. No, I'm, yeah. I'm dumb. I don't even want to see him at all. I don't want to see him anywhere. I don't want to see him at Waffle House. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, he, he just bores me to death. And I know That's that the, funny. I know that he's athletic and all that, but, I mean, what they've done with him, with that storyline of, like, Commissioner Angle and all my, they just killed him for me. And it, I, I actually used to enjoy his work. But they they killed him for me. He's done now. He needs to go away for about six months, 
and start back at NXT and come back up and just be a monster again. Yeah, I think he's he's a fault of poor booking. I don't think that he's actually the worst. I think he, you know, he can actually work generally uh, pretty decently. But the whole storyline with the commissioner and now he dresses like a server at TGI Fridays, like I don't yeah. appreciate any of it. Yeah, and, and him working, him him wrestling in that attire is unnerving. It's he's awful. killing the business. That's yeah, what that is. Yeah, it's straight up business. The <laughs> battery. Bi- on this year you know why <laughs> yeah exactly all right well i think that's going to do it for us uh for today uh this episode's going to be going out uh just a few days before wrestlemania and i hope you guys are uh, are just as excited or not excited as we are uh either way we're uh we're ready for wrestlemania and uh, a sleeper card like you said i think there's going to be some really good matches i think we're going to really turn the door here i think seth rollins will be our new champion i think we're going to enter a whole new wonderful era of WWE, or maybe we won't, but we'll see in a, in a few days. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. As you awesome. Know. Yes, sir. All right, well, I'm going to uh, go try to convince my wife to let me take a PTO day on Monday, and uh, you have yourself a, a good night. All right, man. You too. Later, nerd. All right, we'll talk to you later. Later.